0: the date might still change now that uh, we've been told. That's what happens when you get around the board. You sort of just jump in there. You plan dates. You don't look at Father's Day and Mother's Day. Why don't we put our hands together for our wonderful guitarist, Ben. Amen. Outside money, honey. That's a line that I've never heard in church before. I've never heard that in church before. I've been, a. you know what? I grew up Catholic. So for the first 20 years of my life, I gave my heart to the Lord as a 19, 20-year-old. I've never heard that in church before. It's outside money, honey. There you go. That's stuck there now. I'm, sure I'm going to use it one message one day. I'm going to get it in there. I'm going to make it a, some sort of competition for me to win on my own and shout myself some chocolate. Something like that. Anyway. Easter Sunday, hey, we're here. Resurrection Sunday, many prefer to call it because, you know, the word Easter relates to so many other things but the resurrection. But it's Resurrection Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. We come together to remember that he's actually Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. He's no longer on the cross. Amen. That's a really good thing. You know, (laughs) I was so religious growing up that I actually didn't even like crosses that had Jesus on them because it, remind, it was a reminder that he died on the cross rather than he rose from the dead. And now I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a bit more mature and a little more relaxed, and I don't mind either, because I think to fully embrace and enjoy Easter Sunday, we have to fully accept Good Friday. You can't have one without the other. It just doesn't work that way. Um, and so for those that were here on, on Friday, I'm, I'm hoping you didn't leave too shocked with the, the, the short video that we watched. But, but... In all of that pain and anguish, it certainly propels us forward. So, there is a, a, a truth that everybody al- around the world generally loves Easter Sunday. And they love it for all, different reasons. They love it for chocolate. They love it for hot cross buns. Yeah, they love it for the public holidays. We don't count those that love it for the fruitless hot cross buns. They don't count. Yeah? That's, that's an anomaly of the public holiday on Easter, that just doesn't work for me. Does anybody else not like fruitless hot cross buns? Like, yeah, they just don't work, do they? No. No, has anyone got a child like I do that likes the chocolate ones? Yeah, has anyone grilled a chocolate hot cross bun, pulled it out of the griller and burnt their finger on the melted chocolate? Yeah, they're an anomaly too. They should be gone. It should just be fruit the way that nature intended. Well, you know, look, it's fruit. It's fruit. And I figure that if there's fruit in it, it might even pass for a Daniel fast. Anyway, um, I, uh, I want to thank Janine for preaching my message. So, uh, on that note, we we have an early finish. There's a there's a quote there's a quote by Chris Valadin. <laughs> there is a miracle. <laughs> Chris Valadin says this: This Easter weekend, I'm reminded that when Jesus rose from the dead. He eternally disarmed the destructive weapons of sin, death, hell, and the grave. For sin could not tempt him, death could not defeat him, hell could not keep him, and the grave could not hold him. The significance of Jesus' death and resurrection is profoundly powerful yet personal. Yeah? And it doesn't matter how deep you fall or how, or how far you are from God, he will pour out his empowering grace upon you. In Jesus, what was once dead is radically resurrected. Yeah, there's power in the name of Jesus, yeah? yeah? Amen. Let's pray. Let's see. Today I want to have a look, because one, one of the worship songs that we were really declaring was that he breaks off every chain. And the reality of the resurrected Jesus is there's these whole bunch of victories that we're now a part of. A whole, whole area of things that have been cut off and defeated that we now step into and receive wholeheartedly and warmly that, but that we never really deserved. Yeah, there's such, there's such confusion in Christendom now because so many people have lost their identity as sons and daughters of God. When you say to someone, you didn't deserve that, they go, yes, I did. Well, no, no, you didn't. None of us deserved what Jesus did here. From a value perspective, we are totally worthy. We are totally worthy in the eyes of God. Yeah. Totally, always worthy. And being worthy, I deserve the sacrifice. But it wasn't that sense of deserving that that the cross happened. Because we were over here. We were sinners. Each and every one of us were sinners. We didn't deserve the sacrifice. But because he saw value in us, we now step into that. And I am totally valuable, totally deserving of everything that he has done. Don't mix up the two, yeah? Because when you mix up the two, you actually remove the power that is in the sacrifice that Jesus paid. Yeah? Because once you say you're worthy of that because you're worthy, no, Jesus didn't have to do that if you were already good. We weren't right, so he did that. Now I'm right and I'm valued and I'm loved and I'm totally deserving of the love that he pours out on me, yeah? Gotta have that in context. Especially the Easter weekend must have that in context. So here we go. Father, bless the word. Amen. All right. It's like grace. Who knows that a quick grace is a good grace? No one likes cold food. Yeah. Anyone ever like I I grew up with some people and and, and I have some lovely friends that pastor many. Many of these particular churches, but we would get together with particular family, and 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 grace went longer than we sat to eat for, you know. Oh Lord God, thank you, Lord. We humbly thank you for the cold food that you set before us. Lord, we were worth. Oh, just let us eat. Yeah. Sometimes a good prayer is a quick prayer. And actually, if you look at Jesus' prayers, he prayed people back to life quicker then we actually say grace half the time. I'm putting it out there, you know. Let's get it in context. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, it was like bang. He didn't sit there praying over this dead body for hours. He just had power and spoke it. And I don't know why I'm saying all that. I really should get to my message. Otherwise, we'll never get home. So Father God, Papa came good with his promise at Easter Sunday to restore us, didn't he? To redeem us, to redeem us. He made good his promise to deal with sin, yeah, Sin, the stuff, the thing that separates us from God. He made good his promise to deal with all of that. And now those of us who have accepted all that he did there, that's the, the premise to the promise. You can step into sonship. You can be a son and daughter of God. All you have to do is accept what he did for you. If you miss that step, you can't step over here. Is that alright? It's good? No no, no heresy there? I'm glad that we're on the same theological page. So he made good his promise that all who have accepted Jesus, he would deal with sin and now we're sons and daughters of God. Sons and daughters of God. Easter Sunday, sons and daughters of God. Seated in heavenly places. And it all started with that wooden cross, unfortunately, for all of us. Because really it was a very painful death. And no matter how good Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ's depiction of that is, When it comes to reality, they say it actually still falls short of the pain and what Jesus as God-man went through. So for those of you and those of us who have watched that and gone, oh, wow, it was far worse than that. That was the price that God was prepared to pay, the predetermined price, the Bible says, to make sure that we would be redeemed and restored back into right relationship with him that's where our value comes from. Yeah? I reckon that's pretty awesome that he would pay such an awesome price. And, and I reckon that Easter Sunday, I, I'm sure that young Ross would, would agree with me, that it's the closure of one of the greatest oxymorons in Christianity, <laughs> that death brought life to us all, that a burial birthed a resurrection. A burial birthed a resurrection. But this is the place where, because of Father God's predetermined perfect plan, we're met by love. Today's all about us being met by love. The picture we saw of the stone that was rolled away from the tomb really sent love into the world. We are now totally, absolutely in every situation. If we'll turn to him, we are met by love. I love 1 Peter 3.18. And it says, Christ suffered for our sins once and for all. He never sinned. But he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. So the minute that we say, He died for me, thank you, you now we're acknowledging that we were once sinners and we needed a Saviour, yeah? He died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. He wasn't kept there, he just went there to rip the keys, yeah, make a way home. He's no longer there. Good Friday was the beginning of our mercy. And here's a thought, not for today, just jumped into my head. I'll preach it in a couple of weeks when I'm back from holidays. You actually can't receive mercy until you realise what you're receiving mercy for. Just let that one sit. You can't receive mercy. You cannot, you won't be able to not receive what you do deserve unless you realise what it was that you do deserve because of Oh, it's clear. Mercy is about getting or not getting what we do deserve. So when we receive mercy, you can't actually receive mercy until you realize what you deserved. Yeah? Good Friday was the beginning of our mercy, the beginning of understanding. But Good Friday also had to happen because we can't receive grace now until we receive mercy first. And grace is all about us. Really, from Easter Sunday, grace is all about us now receiving what we don't deserve, this resurrected power, this power that breaks every chain, this power that gives us life. This is where we really, we celebrate Good Friday as difficult as, as it is. But when we come to Easter Sunday, it is a celebration. It is a total, flat out, I can't believe that you did this for me, God. You are awesome celebration, yeah? Easter Sunday is the beginning of grace, Easter Sunday is where we're met by love through the gift of his grace. And so we remember, we reflect, we meditate, we celebrate. If it wasn't for the death and the resurrection, we would still be trapped in sin. Because Easter Sunday basically cries out from the cross because the tomb's been rolled away that now we have victory over sin. I reckon that's pretty good. You know, I, I know I know that some of you are more conservative than others and Others are more traditional than others, and some of you are more Pentecostal than others. But today is all about sin being defeated. It doesn't matter whether you've lost your voice, you've got laryngitis. It doesn't matter if you're conservative or traditional. It doesn't matter if you're evangelical, Pentecostal. When somebody says, today's all about sin in your life, being defeated, eradicated, done, it is finished. I mean, that is, all of a sudden you become an extrovert and you go, Woo-hoo! That's awesome, God! Imagine giving a gift, the best gift that you've ever given to one of your children and they do this. Thank you. That's the best gift I've ever got. Look, I don't know about it. I'm Italian. I, I think a bit of mafia would come out of me to slap my son into, hey, can you acknowledge what I just gave you? Like this is the best gift you've ever got. This is the best gift that we will ever, ever, ever receive. Easter Sunday. See, when Adam and Eve first disobeyed God, we've got to understand sin came into the world right there and then. I said on Friday, it's got nothing to do with the things that we do, but it's what's now in us, in our flesh. It's the propensity that we have to do what we want, not what God wants. That is sin. And so when we're tempted, yeah, and we do what we want to do rather than what God wants us to do, we're sinning. And the Bible's really clear that every single one of us was on that side of the cross. We were all sinners because it was in us. It doesn't matter how good you were, it doesn't matter if you were Mother Teresa. Yeah? It was there already. He had to send his son. In the Old Testament, the Israelites would sacrifice that beautiful, pretty little lamb, you know, that would dance around with white, fluffy wool. The unblemished lamb, and they would kill it for the blood to atone. To compensate, to say sorry for sin. That's what they would do. The offering had to be perfect to cover the debt of sin. I love that the Bible says that Jesus, the guy who died and rose again, is the lamb of God. Yeah, Because his sacrifice on the cross covered covered sin for all of humanity. Each and every one of us. He was the perfect sacrifice. John 1.29 says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We have victory over sin today. The stuff that ultimately separates us from God because of the death and the resurrection. Not for anything else. Not because of how good we are or how disciplined we are or how much willpower we've got. It's got nothing to do with that. Because we can still fall. We can still make mistakes. We've got one that's closer than a brother who'll pick us up at all times, yeah? Romans 5.18. (laughs) Thanks, Janine. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. So I'm just getting some water. Did you notice that in the word everyone, your name was in that? Yeah, I just thought I'm going to put it out there. Even if you've got a really weird name, like some names are just weird. That my kids play, love to play Xbox, and they play a game called Fortnite. I personally um, have given that the tick of approval. I think it's a wonderful game. Anyway, that aside, there's a there's a some guy who's fantastic at the name at the game, and his real name is Tifu. Tifu. That's right, it's like that, it's like a tissue, a tifu. It doesn't matter if your name is terrible, whatever your name is, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. That's you and I, yeah? Yeah. So when God looks at us, you and me, he doesn't see the sin in our humanity, in our flesh. He doesn't see now the propensity that we have to possibly do what we want because Jesus died and rose again so that we would have the power not to do that. He doesn't see what we could do what, and what's in us. What he does see is what his son's done for us. You know, I, lo- I love Janine's thought because when you talk about that, that co-partnering with Christ in the death and the resurrection... You could almost say that Christ didn't die for you. He died as you. Yeah? Think about it. You know, I shared on Good Friday that the sin in flesh is not guilt for committed sins. It's the stuff that we do that can lead us away when we're doing our thing, not God's thing. And if you spend enough time just sitting with the Lord, you discover what God's thing is. I think, I believe, all of us in our spirit somewhere you're walking down through life and this is okay this is okay this is okay this is okay okay. and all of a sudden you get this uh uh-uh in your spirit that what was always okay is no longer okay because God's speaking to you yeah now you have a decision to make will I hear what God wants in my life his will for my life or will I continue to do what I've always done and what I want to do that's where sin comes into play yeah The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. Thank goodness for the cross. Thank goodness that the stone was rolled away. Thank goodness for the resurrection. Colossians 2 verses 13 and 14, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. That's worthy of a celebration, isn't it? That's worthy of a lamb roast with family to get together to remember what Jesus did. That's worthy of giving up a Sunday morning regardless of the time. Yeah, it, it, Certainly that has to be worthy of that. Because of today, all of that sin and death stuff, it's been, it has been put to death. Yeah. <laughs> and the beauty for me is that we didn't deserve that gift, but we got it anyway. I couldn't physically pay for it. I didn't have the cash for it. Didn't have the resources to make it available for myself. I didn't deserve it. Now on this side, I'm totally deserving of it. Thank you, Father, that you loved me so much that you saw value in me when the reality was there was no value in me at all. It's his undeserved favour. It's you and I receiving what we didn't deserve. We have received victory over sin. That chain has been broken because there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen? There's nothing like being able to come into the presence of God and just chatting with Abba, you know, just sitting with him, just sitting and talking to him, not having to ask for forgiveness for everything. Oh, Lord, you know, I'm so sorry I've done this. And certainly we can do that. But isn't it nice just to know that we can now step into the presence of your Almighty God, our Father? Yes, he's our Lord. Yes, he's our King. But he's our Father. He's our Dad. He's our Abba, our Papa. And just to be able to say, you know, God, I'm just so in love with you. Thank you for everything that you've done. You know, hey, did you see today when I was with my kids? Did you see when I walked down the street? Did you see when that happened? Sorry, I flipped the bird at that driver, but he deserved it. You know? Isn't it good that you can just come into his presence? I know nobody here would do that. I know it's just me in my fallen flesh. Yeah, I know that. That's okay. Most people here, apart, apart from me at times, are totally holy. But isn't it nice just to come into his presence, to be able just to talk with him? It's all because sin's been defeated. Yeah, It's all because of the work of the cross. You know, Janine mentioned, I think everything that I have, Janine mentioned, we've got victory over guilt. Today... Yeah, because of that, because of the the big stone that was rolled away, we now have victory over guilt. One of Satan's goals for us is to live in total darkness, to keep us confused, living in the shadows. Yeah, you know, in John, Jesus refers to himself as the light of the world, John 9 5 but while I am here in the world, I'm the light of the world. But then he he says in Matthew. He says in Matthew 5, 14, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and they give light to everyone in the house. Jesus would never, never, ever, ever expect us to be the light for his glory if he didn't provide a way out of the darkness. Yeah? So many of us, as Janine puts so beautifully, often live in the guilt. We accept what he's done but somehow we live in the shadows of that because of what we've, where we've been and our lives. Yeah? But now, now he's given us a way out of the darkness of guilt. Easter Sunday, when he rose from the grave, he made that way. He made a way out of the guilt. And so when you and I live outside of that darkness because of the gift that we receive today, stuff happens. Miracles happen. Yeah? Miracles happen in our life. Actually, miracles happen in the lives of those around you because you've stepped out of that darkness, because you've stepped away from that guilt that you now have victory over. People see something in you, yeah, and they're attracted to you. I, I would suspect if I was to ask a thousand people that are Christians, if you racked your brain, you would discover places where people have been drawn to you, where they've heard your word, where you've spoke life into them, where you've led them to Jesus, where you've prayed for them, where they've been healed. It's all possible because of Easter Sunday. It's all possible because sin's been defeated. It's all possible because guilt has been dealt with. We can walk out of the shadows. We can now be the light of the world. Yeah? Yeah. It's all possible because we're met by love. <laughs> because he died and rose again. We received it, grace, that thing that we didn't deserve, we now receive. That's what grace is. And I keep harping on that because we never want to get to a place where we say, you know what, I deserved his grace. You what? No, he didn't. No, I didn't. I'm now totally deserving of all that he bestows upon me. Thank you. Because I've been redeemed, restored back into his family. Because I said yes to his son. Yeah? And I love that thought. Psalm 103 verses 10 to 12 says, He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Easter Sunday, he took the weight of sin off everyone and anyone who believe on him. That's pretty good. Yeah? That's a woo-hoo, hallelujah again. We can now live without guilt. We have victory over guilt. Who's ever, let's say you can be totally open, honest and transparent. Actually, it's a really easy one. Who's ever been totally forgiven by someone? Just forgiven. Like, you know, they had something against you or you had something against them, and they've just rolled up and they've totally forgiven you for that thing. Yeah, maybe even given you a gift. Yeah. I, I remember once, and I, I'm, I was trying to remember, Mel, what it was. I can't remember if it was a, like a tablet or if it was a cast area. I can't remember what it was. But I remember once I wasn't a very good husband for a small period of time. It was only one or two hours. But I recall that this one day Mel comes home and and she has this gift for me, and it was an extravagant gift. Totally overwhelmed by the extravagance of the gift. I remember asking her why. She goes, Because I love you. But I know that I had been a shade. Yeah? I was so overwhelmed by that one act. If that can happen between us as human beings, as we forgive others or as they forgive us, imagine how overwhelming it must be when we totally realize this gift that we receive over Easter. Yeah? He's such a good God. Again, thank you, Janine. He gives us victory over shame. Like I said to Mel, I go. I, I leaned over to my wife and I said, "You yeah, know, well, I don't have to preach." I go. I go. I've got. I've got seven points. I go. She's ma- named every one. Mel, Mel's so holy. She goes. She goes. That's so good. That's confirmation. <laughs> it's confirmation. It's taking all the wow out of my message. People are like, "Oh, they, he's just talking about what you said. Then. <laughs> I often talk like that at home, Krista. It's usually deeper with more authority. (laughs) Sorry, I just thought of something with the kids, but I can't share it here. (laughs) Victory over shame. The enemy loves to talk and the enemy loves to talk us into a corner You know, the Bible says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, waiting to rob us of our faith, yeah? Waiting to devour our God-given destiny. You know, in Revelation, he's called the accuser. It says that he accuses us before God night and day. The enemy, Satan, Lucifer, he's as crafty as. He is as shifty as they come, yeah? He wants you and I to live in shame. He wants us to live in shame. You see, guilt is about what we've done, yeah? But shame, <laughs> shame is about who we are. And when Jesus died, particularly when he rose again, he actually established who we are. We never again have to live with shame because now we are sons and daughters of God. We are actually brand new. That chain of shame has not even been broken. It has been shattered, yeah? Yeah? It has been melted and dispersed. It is gone forever. So many of us accept that God forgives us for what we've done, but we allow the enemy to accuse us and shut us down about who we are. But we have a new identity, don't we? We are brand new creations. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We read the scripture before, the Passion Translation, didn't we? That anyone who's in Christ is a new creation brand spanking new. When Jesus exchanged our sin for righteousness on the cross and then rose from the dead he made us brand new, you know? I have a real I have a real issue with people that want to keep saying that we are sinners. We have the propensity to sin, it's in our flesh, but now we have the power within us to overcome it, yeah? But I was a sinner, but I have now been saved by the grace of God, yeah? The mercy and grace I'm no longer a sinner. I'm now a son and daughter of God. Now, that theology is too far for some to, to, to get their head around, but it's like this. If you're a parent and you foster a child or you adopt a child, yeah? Do you keep reminding that child that they're adopted? Oh, this, these are my kids and this is my adopted son or daughter. Is that what we do? Of course not. We embrace them. We bring them into family. But for some reason, somewhere in the Christian world, we want to leave those of us that have been adopted, yeah, and remind us over over and over and over and over and over again where we came from. We need to remember where we came from. It propels us forward. It's almost like those running blocks for a runner. It's that thing that you push off, yeah? It's not the thing that you live in, Yeah? Yes, I was adopted. Absolutely. In fact, legal adoption in those days couldn't be changed. Amen for that. But now I'm a son and daughter of God. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I am brand spanking new. Absolutely, entirely. I don't care what you remember about me. Oh, that's not me. I remember you used to do this, 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 and that. Yes, I did. And it was fun. Sin's pleasurable for a time. But that's not me now. Now I'm a son of God. That's how we should be looking at ourselves, yeah? Sons and daughters of God. We are brand new. You know, I love The Biggest Loser. You know, anyone used to watch that? It's not, sort of out of vogue now. I used to love it. I didn't like it because, you know, I carry a bit of weight. And I, I'm often conscious when I go to the beach or the pool, I'd rather wear a rashi these days than to show my six-pack, you know, and these guys are pretty open. You know, they just show it the way it is. You know? And they got on, get on there and they do all the exercise. And then I get frustrated with those that can't do the exercise. It's like, why would you sign up for the show? But that's not why I liked it. I liked it when they got to the end. They went and had the makeover and their hair got done and their makeup was done. And all of a sudden they're wearing clothes that they wouldn't normally wear. And they step out and they show the before picture and the after picture. And you know what? They are brand spanking new. I understand that's a makeover and they have a decision when they go back, but that's chalk and cheese. So for you and I, when it comes to God, we are so flipping heck brand new that we are unrecognizable you got to understand, we are unrecognisable. We are totally different. We have the spirit of the living God inside of us. We are a brand new creation. I'm not a Holden that's been panel beaded back to its original glory. I'm brand spanking you. You can't even see the model in a workshop yet. It doesn't exist. We're brand new creatures. We have victory over shame. We've got victory over fear. When Jesus died, he showed us perfect love and perfect love... Casts out all fear doesn't it first John 418 there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love you know what we have victory over fear he claimed victory over fear when he rose from the dead like death is pretty scary. you ever met someone who has such a faith you know on their deathbed but they 've got a real faith that they're not they're not phased about. The next season they're about to step into. You ever met people like that? But then you meet others that don't have a faith, don't have a, an assurity within them, and there's a fear about what's coming at their death. And those of us that are mourning, regardless of whether they're believers or not believers, where like, am I? Because you know, it's family. <laughs> we had that recently. You can't help but mourn for those that you love. But those that have an assurity don't have any fear. They're gonna face what we think is death, knowing that in fact it's life. Yeah. We have victory. The chain yeah, of fear has been broken because there's power in the name of Jesus. If there was no power, he would still be on the wooden cross rather than rolled away and out and glorified. Amen? This is Easter Sunday. And he invites us over and over to share in his victory. He wants us to live with peace in our minds and our hearts and our souls. That's what he wants for us. But he's given us a free will. So you've got to choose it. I've got to choose it. You can choose how you want to live. The Bible, the Word, wonderful preachers, teachers, pastors, your friends. We can encourage you. You can encourage me. But at the end of the day, we can have all the information and all the truth in all the world, but we need to make a decision whether we're, whether we're going to fully embrace it or whether we're going to let, allow the lies of the devil to sway us. Yeah. When fear comes knocking, we've got a choice to make. You either let it overtake you or you remember Jesus' act of love and choose to believe that he's won the battle for our peace. You know, Hebrews 12 two says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You and I are that joy. We need to be able to say, I am his joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For me, he endured the cross. You need to be able to say that without squinting, without thinking, oh, no, not really. For me, for me, for the joy, knowing the relationship he would have with me, knowing the relationship he would have with you, he endured the cross. (laughs) That's where we were met by love. When life is kicking you down, Jesus is going to meet you. He rose from that grave. It's an empty tomb. He rose so that he could meet you. He is love, yeah. So we receive grace. We receive what we didn't deserve. We receive victory over fear, you know, Sickness, by his stripes we're healed, the Bible says. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, our sins. Not just somebody else's, not your spouse's, <laughs> not, not your mother-in-law's, our, our, our sins, yeah. Because I, I think often we like to, I like to, put everything on somebody else. Mel tells me all the time, you know, you don't take responsibility for things. I go, yes I do, but... Apparently the word but shouldn't be mentioned there. I should just say, yes, I do, and walk away. I don't know, I'm not quite sure. I'm working it out. For those that have got um, marriages that are longer... How long have we been married for? Seven, eight years? Is it this year? For those that have been mar- married longer than that, please, I- I'm always looking for advice. <laughs> Any advice? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. By his stripes we're healed. You know, I I love the thought, but the truth is at times we pray for people and they're not healed or we get prayed for and we're not healed. Though we've prayed for people and we've seen them healed and we've received prayer and we've been healed, who's seen both sides of that coin? Okay, I'm about to ask a question. I'm about to give you an answer. Are we always healed? Do we always see healing? The answer is no. I'm going to tell you why. I don't know, sorry. (laughs) I just, I don't know. But the theology is if we prayed for someone or we've been prayed for because of what he did on Easter Sunday, we need to believe in that healing. Maybe that healing's coming. Maybe we'll never see the physical outworking of that healing. But we can believe in the grace knowing that we've been healed just the same. Yeah, Because with our tongues we have the, the power of life and death. I believe God heals every person. Sometimes we just don't see the outworking of that. My theology, personal theology, he's a good, good God. I don't have a problem with sin. I don't have a problem with hell. I don't have a problem with the consequence for those of us that are on that side of the cross. But I do have a problem with people that think that he gives, that he gives sickness or he doesn't want to heal people. He heals everybody. Why we don't see it in this realm, I don't know. But one day when we make it to heaven, and this for me is not heaven. Why? Because there's sickness here. There's no sickness in heaven. <laughs> One day when we make it to heaven, let's ask the question: If you get to him before I do, please let me know. That'd be great. If you're in heaven before me, even though we sort of make it there at the same time, just to confuse theology. But if there's a split second we have an opportunity to tell me before I make it, let me know. That'd be great. I would love to be the only preacher in the whole world that be able to tell people why this happens. Could you imagine church growth overnight? Bang! Would be awesome. Did you, the wisdom of this man, I won't tell him where it came from. I, I won't get you into trouble, but if you could tell me, that would be great. You know, ultimately, today we have victory over death. <laughs> we have victory over death. We've got victory over temptation. We have victory over death. You know, we've got a God that, that knows all of our weaknesses He was tempted in the same way that we were tempted. Yeah. And totally, when the when he rose from the dead, he met us with love. You know, he paid the debt of our sin on the cross. He broke the power of the enemy off all of mankind. He fights the battle on our behalf. You know, recently when we fasted, one of the things Mel and I were fasting for was for finances. I think I've shared this here. But not just for the church, but also for us personally, you know, because you want to see breakthrough in those things, If you to be honest and, uh, you know, open about that stuff. And since the fast, right near the end of the fast and since the fast, we have been so blessed, just unbelievably blessed by different people, different situations. And the only thing I can put it down to is that we actually made a conscious decision that while we were fasting was to pray for those things. And God reminded me, it's not my battle. It's not my battle. It's his. I've got to... Give it to him. And that, this day, is a reminder of the battle, you know. Because when you're struggling with stuff, there's a temptation to fall into, into anxiety, despair, depression. We've got to realize it's not our battle. Sometimes we've got to let it go, we've got to give it to him. And what better picture than an Easter Sunday, you know, stone rolled away? Yeah. He's not there because he's actually come in great power, he's met us with love. You know, when Jesus died for our sins and purchased our forgiveness, he saved us. This is the best gift of all from an eternity without him. Yeah? Why don't we stand? So I just want to finish with this because this is brilliant. Whether you're willing to accept it or not, we were heading, without Jesus, we were heading for an eternity without him. That's no relationship with God. Now, however... Hell looks for you. Yeah, I'm not here to debate the doctrine of hell. But I said on Friday, and I'll say again, in eternity, without God, without being in relationship with him, being separated from him, that is hellish enough alone. Yeah. So he gives us victory over death. And when he rose from the, from the grave, Jesus showed that this was like the grand final. This was like the World Cup of Soccer. I, this is like the Olympics. I don't, know, I don't know what we've got in the world that can demonstrate how ultimate, how wonderful, how magnificent that the resurrection is. Because when Jesus rose from the, from the grave, that was the ultimate miracle. That was the ultimate sign of, of his power. It, it was his way of saying... I had a picture, and I wish I had it. Ben has on his Facebook page... Um, as, as his profile picture, a picture of Jesus on the cross. But Jesus on the cross has got Arnold Schwarzenegger's body, I think, because it's got these muscles, yeah? It's got his pecs, it's got a six pack that's probably got eight packs, and he's on the cross, but he's like this, you know? It's a bit, and, and the whole thing of Good Friday and Easter is God saying, I am so powerful to the enemy, then nothing, nothing compares to how strong I am. You can nail me to the cross, but I have got everything I need. Man, you, don't, you can't touch this. I almost broke a DMC hammer. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Just Bring it down. Revelation 118 says, I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. What grace, what an undeserved gift. This thing, this weekend is all about God saying, I am so much better than you to the enemy. I am so much stronger. In fact, watch this. I'm going to break the chain of shame. I'm going to break the, the, the hold of guilt. I'm going to smash away any temptation that comes to them. I'm going to break the hold of sin. I'm going to defeat sin. And you thought death was going to get, watch what I do to death. It was his way of going, oh, I have got this, yeah? That's Easter Sunday. That's why we celebrate today. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and life. Anyone who believes in me will live live even after dying. Though we deserve death because of sin in our flesh and our humanity, he made a way for us to be eternally with him. In 1 Corinthians, I love this. I know we sing this song, but you've got to capture the words and understand the words. Verse 55 to 57, where, oh death, is your victory? Do you understand? This is mocking. He's mocking. Hey, death, where's your sting? Are you serious? Is that all you've got? You know, for those that are my age that used to watch Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania, he'd be beaten up on the ground, but then all of a sudden you'd see this hand go up. You know, And they'd be beating him, and I'm talking beating him. It's all acting, yeah? But still, even though he's on the ground, his hand would keep going up. And then you know, the commentators get on board, and they go, "'Oh, my goodness!' What's, how can he do this? And he starts picking himself up off the ground and they're still beating him. And here we've got, where, oh death, is your victory? Where is your sting? You've got nothing on me. You can put me in a grave. You can roll a stone. You can nail my hands, my feet. Is that the best you've got? Good Friday was brutal. But Easter Sunday, he just came out and said, hey, you got nothing on me. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I have to finish with Chris Vallinan's quote. This Easter weekend, I'm reminded that when Jesus rose from the dead, he eternally disarmed the destructive weapons of sin, death, hell and the grave. For sin could not tempt him, death could not defeat him. Hell could not keep him and the grave could not hold him. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's the God that we serve. So let's pray. Because there's an army rising up, yeah? If this is true for us. If we've got Good Friday as the springboard to move forward and we're grabbing hold of the power that now lives inside of us, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, we are the army that's rising up. And it doesn't matter what comes our way. It doesn't matter what life throws. Yes, it can be hard. But we already have the victory in Him. We are already sons and daughters of God. We already have the answer just by focusing, turning our attention on Jesus. Amen. That's why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, because it's a brilliant, overwhelming show of power day. No one would be able to be healed or risen or raised from the dead if God wasn't power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the death. Yes, God, the death, the excruciating death. But Father, I thank you that, Lord, you saw worth in us when we were unworthy. You saw value in us, God, when we were still not yet valuable. Father, you have made us your sons and your daughters. You have adopted us into your family. You have shown us how to defeat sin, how to defeat death, God, how to defeat shame and guilt and temptation. Thank you, God, that you not only showed us, but, Lord God, you gave us the actual instructions, the gift, the gift, the key, the hammer. Lord, you've done it all. We just need to walk in what you've done. Father, thank you this day that we stand here as redeemed and restored children of the almighty God, celebrating, yes, your death, but Lord, your resurrection. Thank you that the power that raised you from the grave lives inside of each and every one of us. And Lord, as we celebrate today, as we remember that today, Lord, may people that come into our vicinity, into our sphere of influence, God, into our mix and our conversations, may they go away, Lord, forever changed. May people discover the love of Jesus through us as we walk in the truth that is the gospel, that you came and you died for us, you lived for us, and you rose, Father, to give us the ability to live a life for you and with you and through you. And so we thank you. We thank you as your children. We thank you as your family. And we thank you as the church. And everyone said? Amen. Have a wonderful Easter Sunday. Have a great day. Because he rose.